I dreamed of traveling the long road, singing my songs to that distant stranger. Yes, I know it's sad for you, but it's something I got to do. And I will be coming home, back to the mountains, back to being free from all there is to be. Coming home to live and the life I once knew. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. guys excited yeah me too excited for what though to read second kings chapter 11 oh yeah mm-hmm. for I was sure tired. <laughs> Brock, Brock was tired i have a feeling something good might happen well let's check it out we've got second kings chapter 11 following up the reign of jehu who totally got rid of the family of ahab ahab and many others, and also Balls. ended the balls. <laughs> yeah, all. I say ended the balls. Got rid of a lot of people who worship the balls, and then struggled with golden idols as well. I bet most of this, most of Second Kings was about bad kings. Seems that way, huh? Seems like there's not as many good kings as bad kings, and it all. Are, yes, and it also seems like the trend goes towards more and more bad kings, doesn't it? Mm. Right. Like you said way early a long time ago, kings starting from David go like up and up and up and up and then all of a sudden they just fall all the way down. And remember it said in those times that the Lord started to decrease the size of Israel. It's not happening by coincidence. Punishment. Well, punishment or even just look at it this way, it's like... Consequence. Yeah, consequence. The Lord gave you this land. He gave you an incredible land to inherit, and he, he gave it all to you. But what are you doing with it? And if what you're doing with it is you're worshiping the Baals, then maybe you shouldn't have it. Maybe we should give it to people who are going to love one another. Maybe, they are, we should, maybe we should let people have these resources who are going to love the Lord their God and honor and worship him. Because they can do good and help others. With that, let us get started in verse 1. When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to destroy the whole royal family. What? Hang on. But Jehosheba, the daughter of King Jehoram, Jehoram and sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the royal princes who were about to be murdered. She put him and his nurse in a bedroom to hide him from Athaliah, so he was not killed. He remained hidden with his nurse at the temple of the Lord for six years while Athaliah ruled the land. Remember when I said that the book of Kings jumps around a little bit? Yeah. This is one of those cases. Notice how it doesn't tie in nicely to the end of chapter 10? Well, in the footnote, 
It says this story is continued from chapter 9, verse 27, where Ahaziah, Athaliah's son, had been killed by Jehu. Athaliah's attempt to kill all of Ahaziah's son was futile because God had promised that the Messiah would be born through David's descendants. Point here, we're actually going back in time and we're talking about another person, but they, it's like they tell the whole story of Jehu first and then they go back and tell the story of somebody else, but it's it, they rewind the clock. Does that make sense? That's why sometimes you see the same people showing up in different chapters. It's because it's not a chronological... The Bible doesn't always work chronologically. Sometimes it's it like kind of... Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat's everywhere, right? Yeah. Shows up everywhere. Guy must have lived like a year less than Methuselah. All right, so let's keep going in verse 4. In the seventh year, Jehida sent for the commanders of units of a hundred, the Karaites and the guards, and had them brought to him at the temple of the Lord. He made a covenant with them and put them under oath at the temple of the Lord. Then he showed them the king's son. He commanded them, saying, This is what you are to do, you who are in three companies that are going on duty on the Sabbath, a third of you guarding the royal palace, a third at the surrogate, and a third at the gate behind the guard, who takes turns guarding the temple. And you who are in the other two companies that normally go off Sabbath duty are all to guard the temple for the king. Station yourselves around the king, each man with his weapon in his hand. Anyone who approaches your ranks must be put to death. Stay close to the king wherever he goes. The commanders of the units of a hundred did just as Jehida the priest had ordered. Each one took his men, those who were going on duty on the Sabbath and those who were going off duty, and came to Jehida the priest. Then he gave the commanders the spears and shields that had belonged to King David and that were in the temple of the Lord. That would be pretty cool to wear King David's shield and spear. That's an honor. That is an honor. That would make me feel proud. I would feel like a... I mean, I feel like a man already, but I'd feel like a, just a manly man having that stuff on, you know? That'd be a true honor. The guards, each with his weapon in his hand, stationed themselves around the king, near the altar and the temple, from the south side to the north side of the temple. Jehida brought out the king's son and put the crown on him. He presented him with a copy of the covenant and proclaimed him king. I guess because he's the only one who's still alive in the bloodline that led back to David that the Lord promised the Messiah would come from. So if the Lord made a promise that the Messiah, Jesus, would come through David's bloodline and there's only one remaining man, baby, you know, it's a child, but a boy in that bloodline, what does the Lord have to make sure happens? That, that he lives. That's right. That he lives. That he gets married, and that he eventually has um, a baby. Yeah, babies. Yeah, children. So that way, the bloodline can continue, so that the Messiah can come from that bloodline. Does that make sense? This is why now the priest and he knows his Bible, so he's putting it all on the line to participate in what the Lord is doing. The Lord will make a way. The, the devil tried this many times. He tried it with Moses when he said, let all the baby boys be killed. 
But guess what? The Lord had other plans. He tried it when Jesus was born. When they said... Was it Herod? That's right. You can tell the story. He, he said to have um, children, baby boys killed again. Yep. Joseph and Mary um, left. That's right. And also, the devil tempted Jesus like three times when he was in the desert. And then when he was in other places, like the devil tried to tempt Jesus to not listen to the Lord. Well, that's right. Because the ultimate work of the devil, the devil knew that when the Lord prophesied to Eve in the garden that the offspring of the woman would be struck in the heel by the snake, but that in doing so, the offspring would crush the snake's head. The devil knew exactly what the Lord was saying. He was saying that through this woman, there will be a savior. Yes, you have appointed us moral sorrow because we sinned, because we forgot to keep your word and we rejected the life you put you gave us right and so man was appointed eternal sorrow eternal sorrow but a messiah came and that messiah was going to change everything because he was going to forgive the sin issue he was going to pay the punishment for the sin issue so that there was nothing that could stop life from dwelling in us again the devil knew this so Satan, since that point, since the Lord uttered those words, and I don't even know if even Adam and everyone else, a lot of people knew what those words meant, but the devil knew what they meant. So since that point, the devil was on the lookout for the Messiah. But the devil didn't decide when the Messiah would come. The Lord decided that, right? And so the devil was on the lookout for the Messiah. So you see this happen in scripture where there's hints that a savior of the people is coming. I mean, what did Moses do? He was in a sense... A savior of the people in that he delivered the people from their bondage in Egypt but their bondage in Egypt was a physical bondage it wasn't a spiritual bondage they still had a greater need they needed a savior right even Joseph before Moses was sort of a savior of the world right the world was going hungry because there was a great famine in the land and they needed food Egypt had food yeah and what happened to him his brothers tried to kill him you know, really, and then they change their mind. But the devil's always worked in the hearts of men and in his own plans that he would be able to destroy the Messiah before the Messiah could come. And this is just another one of those examples where there's only one left. There's one man left, a boy, a child, and he needs to be protected because that, as per the Lord's prophecy, is the only way that the Messiah can be part of David's bloodline. It's super important. This isn't. This wasn't copied. Or these words weren't put here by accident. They're divinely inspired to show you that Jesus is who He said He was, and that He came from a prophecy of the Bible. So that when Jesus was alive and He took up the scroll of Isaiah in the church and started reading it, and He started reading Isaiah 53, He was preaching about himself. The whole establishment may not have known it, 
but he was preaching about himself. He was prophesying his own death on the cross that would forgive the sins of the world so that there is no longer any reason why the spirit of life, the spirit of God, God's Holy Spirit, cannot live inside of us. It can't live inside of us while there's sin in us, right? That's why we deal with sin. How did we deal with sin? Christ died, paid the punishment for it. Does that mean we automatically receive life? No, because the Lord is not gonna let us be robots. We get to decide. So what do we decide to do? Accept him. That's right. Accept him and accept his life. It's that simple. It has been taken care of so sufficiently and it is so simple. And that is why the devil tried so hard during these different times in history to try and keep it from happening because he knew it was coming. And the same thing in the desert, if he could have gotten Jesus to sin, if Jesus sins, then he can't forgive sins. Right? The world will be, in my opinion, a way different place. That's right. And think of the old law. The old law, the sacrificial lamb always had to be a lamb. Do you remember the words that was without? Sin. Well, a lamb doesn't have sin, but what would a lamb might have? Like dirtiness? Yeah, blemish. Right? It couldn't be a weak it couldn't be a weak lamb. It couldn't be one that was physically ill. It couldn't be one that was dirty. It had to be a lamb without blemish. Everything's a picture. That's a picture of Christ. But they're not talking about a man with that with physical blemish so much. They're talking about it would have to be a person who had no sin in their life. That's why the lamb that was sacrificed for atonement was a perfect lamb. It's not because God wanted to make it more complicated to try and find an atonement lamb. It was because it was only a perfect animal that could possibly point towards an illustration of the Messiah who would be on the cross. And that is why Satan tried so hard to tempt him for 40 days in the desert that he might sin. Because if he could do that, then that would end Jesus's ability to save you. And sometimes when you think of all Jesus was put through in the desert, not eating for 40 days and 40 nights, not sinning for 40 days and 40 nights while he was under that tremendous stress. And then thinking of the fact that he did it for you When he was hungry, he thought of you. It was your face that ran through his head that he wants to be with you forever. You are the strength. His love for you was the strength that helped him say, no, I'm not gonna do it. Anybody who doesn't wanna serve a God like that's a little crazy. He loves us. Continuing in verse 12. So he brings out Jehida, puts a crown on him. He presented him with a copy of the covenant and proclaimed him king. They anointed him, and the people clapped their hands and shouted, Long live the king. When Athaliah heard the noise made by the guards and the people, she went to the people at the temple of the Lord. She looked, and there was the king standing by the pillar, as the custom was. 
The officers and the trumpeters were beside 